0: Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast, episode 110 at IndieTravelPodcast.com.
1: This week's episode is called Briefcase to Backpack, and it's hosted by Sherry Ott and Michaela Potter.
0: Now, as you know, um, at IndieTravelPodcast.com, we do articles week by week, or sometimes even squeeze in two each week. And Sherry's been one of our writers for a long, long time.
1: And quite apart from that, we really love Sherry's blog, What's World, because she talks about all her travels, especially now she's living in Vietnam.
0: So, uh, what we've been trying to do this year is try and get new voices on. So we've asked Sherry to put together a guest post for us on um, gap years, OEs, um, work breaks, call them what you will.
1: So she and Michaela are going to be talking about their great new site, briefcasetobackpack.com. Let's get into it.
2: Hi, this is Sherry Ott of Arts World Travel Blog, and I'm joined here with my business partner, Michaela Potter. Hi, everyone. Before we get started, I'd like to thank Craig and Linda for letting us host today's podcast. I've been an avid listener of Indie Travel Podcast for years now, and I'm also lucky enough to occasionally get to share my stories on their site as a guest writer. Craig and Linda even interviewed me in episode 52 to talk about my reentry into America after 16 months of travel around the world. So I kind of feel like an indie travel podcast alum. If you listen to Indie Travel Podcasts, then it's a pretty sure bet that like me, you love travel. Hopefully you've had the chance to live out that love and do some extensive traveling yourself. How many times have you been on a trip and you start to suss out the other travelers? Meaning you ask the standard questions. How long are you here for? Where are you going after this? And my personal favorite, how long have you been out? Meaning how long have you been traveling around the globe? Now these questions invariably come up as you swap stories and try to one-up your new travel friends. As an American, I hated these questions, mainly because I was always the big loser. My answers always went something like this. How long are you here for? Oh, I'm here seven days. Where are you going after this? I'm going home to New York City because I have to go back to work on Monday. And at this point, you get the look of shock and horror on their face because you only have one week to spend here. Then they'll ask you, you know, how long have you been out? Uh, and your answer is, um, I don't know, three days. So it's actually quite depressing to go through these questions and answer them as an American. There's a massive cultural divide among Americans and Brits and Aussies and Kiwis and Canadians, and it mainly has to do with how we look at travel. Americans look at it as just a trip, a one-week vacation, but our foreign counterparts look at it as true travel, lasting six months to a year. For Brits, Kiwis, and Aussies, the concept of a career break, gap year, sabbatical, or whatever you want to call it, it's very common. It's woven into their culture, and it's considered a requirement. Now, for overworked Americans, that's quite different. We don't think we can leave our careers behind for more than a week, as we would hear the flushing sound, the sound of our career going down the toilet. One of the goals that I shared with Craig and Linda in my interviews was that I wanted to inspire other Americans that career break is not an evil, career-destroying word. And if you combine it with travel, it can actually be a life-altering experience. And that brings us to today's podcast about a new career break website, www.briefcase2backpack.com.
3: You know, Sherry, you mentioned the cultural divide when it comes to travel. But it's also important to note that our culture has ingrained into us this mindset that you can only travel long-term once you're retired. So if someone decides that they want to take a midlife career break and travel like we've done, that decision is not always met with wide support. In fact, most people can't believe we're able to do something like this, when in reality, anyone is able to do it if they put their minds to it. What was it like for you when you told your family your plans?
2: Oh, my dad kept asking me, but do you have to quit your job? Can you just leave for a little bit and come back? Won't they understand? I think he was very worried about my future career and what I was doing to it. And I don't think he had any idea how much I disliked my current job, obviously. And then my mother, on the other hand, simply wanted to know why I had to go traveling around the world when there were so many great things to see in the United States. So I don't think that they fully got the concept.
3: Well, my family is used to to all my travels. In fact, from a very early age, uh, my mom's from England, so she would always take us back for vacation. So I was introduced to international travel from early on. But when Michael and I went on our career break together, his family just couldn't understand it either. In fact, his father didn't think that he'd be able to explain a three-month break in his resume, despite working for 14 years straight with the same company. And that's where the American mindset is so different when it comes to looking at our careers. Our culture makes us feel as if our jobs and careers are at risk if we take even a short break. Now, before our trip, Michael's travels were pretty much limited to week vacations here or there and never really had a cultural learning aspect to them. But after meeting so many other backpackers who were on the road for more than a year, he was blown away. I remember him saying how everyone else in the world seems to be getting it right with their travel mindset. And he also couldn't believe how few Americans we met, which wasn't surprising to me.
2: I know I'm actually more surprised when I do run into an American on the road. And usually, they're only traveling for a few weeks. In fact, when I meet other travelers and tell them I've been out for 16 months, they normally first guess that I'm Canadian, as if it would be absurd to be meeting an American doing around-the-world travel.
3: Well, hopefully we can change this mindset with Briefcase to Backpack. The site was originally Mina Michael's travel blog, and named in honor of him finally putting down his briefcase and strapping on a
2: backpack for the first time. When we saw that we had similar goals in making the concept of taking a career break and traveling more widely accepted by Americans, we felt that the name was perfect, and the site has now morphed into its current state.
3: Not only do we want to change the American mindset, we also want to create a community so that people looking to make this dream a reality have a positive support group that they can turn to. We decided that we didn't want to tell people how to take a career break and travel, as there are plenty of great sites out there already doing that. Rather, we wanted to share our personal stories and those of others so that they could be inspired to make the right decision for themselves.
2: While I was traveling and blogging at Otsworld, I was constantly getting contacted by other middle-aged Americans that confessed to me they dreamt of doing the same thing, and they found my journey inspirational. Many times people just need to know that someone else is doing it, that it's possible. That's what we're doing with Briefcase to Backpack, letting other Americans know that they aren't alone and that a career break really is possible.
3: In addition to testimonials, we have various categories that cover the different stages involved in taking a career break as an adult, including contemplating a career break, preparing for long-term travel, dealing with life on the
2: road, and reflecting on the experience. We wanted to share one such inspiring story that comes from Barbara Weibull. Barbara's career break came after a lifetime of working in jobs that didn't really satisfy her. As she describes it, she felt like the proverbial hole in the donut, solid on the outside, but empty on the inside. We're sure many people can relate to that. I know I could. So Barbara abandoned her career and set out on a six-month solo backpacking trip around the world, a brave thing to do as a mature American. Here, Barbara shares with us the circumstances that led her to her career break.
4: I started to get sick, and they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. And I had Lyme disease, but it took them five years to find it. And by the time they found it, I was really in bad shape. I was even exhibiting neurological symptoms, so I had dyslexia and short-term memory loss. And, And now I have the problem where I cannot take the antibiotics because I'm allergic to all of them. The only one that I hadn't tried was doxycycline. And I took it for six weeks. And during that six weeks, it put me down so bad. I was crawling between the bed and the bathroom. On the occasions that I was able to get up and go to work, I was just like death warmed over. I mean, people were were coming up to me and saying, you need to go to the hospital. During that six weeks, I had a lot of time to really examine my life and see what I was doing. And it didn't make sense. I was miserably unhappy. And I used to say if I knew what I wanted to do, I would go out and do it because I'd never been happy. I cannot ever remember a time in my life where I was happy. And during the six weeks, uh, I had what I call a memory bubble. And I remembered that when I was in high school, going to my father and saying, I want to be a journalist, I want to be a war correspondent. So I remembered that. And I thought to myself, you know, I've, I've, not been being true to myself all these years, I've known what I love. I love travel. I love writing. And I love photography. I had thousands and thousands of photographs. I had been keeping journals. I had notebooks full of writing. It was finally the Lyme disease that got me to realize that if I didn't start doing what I love in this life, I was going to die without ever getting to do the things that I wanted to do. So I gave my notice. I I, I took a two year exit plan, but then December of 2006, I walked away, uh, and I said, "I'm just going to put a backpack on my back and I am going to go everywhere that I've always dreamed of going for the next six months." And that's that's kind of what started it. Uh, I, I thought I was going to die, and I was going to do this before I died.
3: Making a decision to take a career break and travel is a huge step. Actually, preparing for it is even bigger. There are many things to prepare for, most of which don't even involve the travel aspect. Unlike most backpackers just out of school, career breakers have many more responsibilities to manage, and leaving this established life behind takes some work. In our preparation section, we cover areas like how to leave your job, subletting your apartment or house, what to do with your pets, and covering your financial obligations. Of course, the fun part does come with deciding on where to go and what to do during your career break, and these decisions are very different from person to person. So we asked Barbara to share with us how she decided on the destinations she wanted to visit on her career break.
4: I bought an around-the-world ticket with the Star Alliance program. It took a while to understand how to best use that program. But when I figured it out, it led to the conclusion that you need to find the major ports of entry within each continent. Because you can fly back and forth or take trains back and forth or you can land in one place and take off in another, but you have to find the... The base within each continent, I researched my route so that I know what my major hubs are they were They were varied, some of them were just f- tourism places that i 'd always wanted to see for instance uh, new zealand i 'd always wanted to see new zealand i also uh, i 'm a big yoga fan, and so I have a bunch of friends who are yogis from around the world. I had a childhood dream from as far back as I can remember of going to Africa, uh, I wanted to see the animals before they disappeared. And I don't know whether that's a previous life I lived in Africa that drew me there. But this was also a major factor in it. And I spent about uh, ooh, six weeks in Africa, and it was absolutely wonderful experience. I had been to Thailand twice before and wanted to see more of that country and use it as a base for hopping around because I wanted to go to Laos and Cambodia and Burma. And I am... Um, definitely of the Vietnam era. And I, for some reason, I wasn't in the service. I had friends who went. I, I did lose some friends. I needed to go to Vietnam to see it, to, to experience it, to learn about what happened from their point of view. And uh, that, that's where I started my trip, is in Vietnam, which was probably the most stressful thing I could have done Uh, I'd never been there. You hear many stories, um, both good and bad, uh, a woman alone in an Asian country that is just really starting to open up to the world. And yet that's something I just thrive on. I I love an adventure. When I left on my trip, I think I had, excluding the three days in Zimbabwe that had to be pre-booked and excluding my safari for nine days, I only had, I think, four, three or four hotel nights booked before I left for the entire six months, and I like that because uh, I will only book if I'm coming into a place late at night. Where, you know, I get you get into Bangkok at, at eleven thirty, twelve o'clock at night. You've got a, an, an hour ride from the airport. You really don't want to be wandering around at one o'clock in the morning looking for a place to stay, especially since so many of the places shutter at night. So. Um, I did make reservations when I was flying in late and in places where I'd never been before. But other than that, I wanted to be free to find my schedule at the drop of a hat. especially when you're staying in the hostels, you know, you get on the backpacker track and you, you. It, it's funny, I've met people from country to country uh that, you know, we're all staying at hostels and we'd run into one another from country to country. And people will very uh readily share with you places they've been that are not to be missed so i wanted to be able to say oh okay i'm going there tomorrow
2: americans are just used to one or two week vacations and most are just learning to relax by the time it's over for many it's also a very sanitized way of traveling often spending time in resorts with little contact with the local culture so the idea of long-term travel can be a very scary one In our Life on the Road section, we share stories of dealing with the struggles you may run into, as well as helpful tips on how to stay in touch, where to stay, and dealing with culture shock. Barbara shares with us how she handled adapting to the various cultures she encountered, as well as dealing with the frustrations.
4: I don't ever feel culture shock, but I do want to be sensitive to the culture when I travel. So I have relied a lot on the Lonely Planet Thorn Tree Forum. Uh, which I think is an absolute wonderful tool, you can find out almost anything you want to know about uh, what is culturally acceptable, um, you know the taboos uh, for instance in in Thailand, you never point your feet at anybody, you never touch anyone 's head you know you don 't shake hands in India, uh, you never eat with your left hand or tear bread with your left hand, all those kinds of things. I thought, were very helpful. I gathered all of that information, I put it into a text document, and then I put it on my iPod. So that as I was traveling to the next country, I was able to review those things to remind myself what were the cultural taboos and what I should do. I'm almost embarrassed sometimes to be an American, Um, not from a political standpoint, but from the way we have a sense of entitlement. And we tend to be very arrogant and demanding, and I quite often will run into situations where Americans are pounding their fists on the counter and yelling at people. And, you know, you can't enjoy travel that way. You have to be willing to roll with the punches. And uh, yelling and getting aggravated, it, it really doesn't help a thing. In the moment, it might be frustrating, but those are the kind of things that you'll reflect back on for years and years and years, and that makes travel an exciting thing to talk about and write about. Uh, I would encourage people to just really relax and let experiences come to you in the country. I also believe absolutely firmly that luxury is the enemy of travel you're treated like a rich person, people in uniforms and gloves feeding you American-type food, and uh, you're, you're living in American-type facilities, and you're not really interacting with the local people. And if you try and go out at night, they will warn you, oh, don't go out, it's dangerous. Please let us call a cab for you. And I just find that ridiculous. Um, so I always try and tell people to stay in local places whether you're doing homestays or or hostels and even hostels can sort of you can get in with the backpacker crowd and not really meet the local people but they are certainly an entry into local experiences because the people who run them always know where to go and what to do and can hook you up with local people.
3: Of course the hardest part of this eye-opening experience can be the re-entry process and facing reverse culture shock. It can be a very difficult process reflecting on what you just experienced and deciding on what next steps to take. I've always taken a career break when I felt that I couldn't go any further in my current job and was ready to move on to a new opportunity. This time around, it was pursuing a freelance production and graphic design career.
2: For me, I decided I wasn't ready to return to life in a corporation. Instead, I took the steps that led me on a path allowing me to travel and hopefully make a little money. I got my CELTA certification to teach English as a second language and took my 14 years of corporate IT skills on the road to Vietnam, where I now live and work independently. I teach ESL in Vietnamese corporations, and I do some website management, and I write, and I do photography, and I talk about career breaks.
3: Michael is the complete opposite. He hit an impasse in his job, but this break and travel experience made him more energized than ever to finally pursue his career goal of growing into a senior executive role. Without the break, he probably would still be at his old company in the same role.
2: And Barbara is now finally pursuing her childhood dream and has become a travel writer and photographer. She'll even be hitting the road soon and writing about her experiences as she travels across America for six months.
3: The key thing for Americans to keep in mind is that there is life after a career break, and it's not something to be afraid of but be excited by. You'll find a job, your career will be enhanced by your travel experiences, and life will go on just as it did before if not even
2: better. But now you'll know where Borneo is on a map. We hope this podcast has provided some inspiration for some listeners out there to take the big leap, take a career break and travel. And if you need more inspiration, travel tips, re-entry tips, then visit us at www.briefcasetobackpack.com. That's all one word, and it'll be in the show notes. The travel tips are even helpful if you aren't an American. They're really for any travelers looking to do long-term travel.
3: Also, if you've taken a career break, we want to hear from you. Share your story and help inspire others contemplating taking a career break for
2: themselves. Yeah, do a good deed. Share your story and be an inspiration to others who want to put down their briefcase and pick up the backpack.
0: Thanks, Sherry. And thanks, Michaela, for guest hosting this Indie Travel Podcast.
1: Yeah, it was really great. And you'll be hearing from Sherry again pretty soon.
0: Yeah, we've got her lined up to do a Saigon visitor's guide, which, uh, yeah, we should have up a month or so.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. All right, before we go, we wanted to read a review from the iTunes store. We've got one from Jim Robbins. He says, I love this podcast. It's full of interesting tidbits of info and hugely useful advice. and makes it easy for me to pretend that I'm traveling somewhere exotic and not on a commuter train going into London. Thanks.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Jim. And hopefully this show is particularly insightful for
1: you. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Before we go, we also wanted to mention top, top travel content,
0: Europe. That's right. This is a site that I've been working on with Karen Bryan from Europe a la carte. And uh, you can find it at europe.toptravelcontent.com. The idea is we look around the uh, best travel sites and travel blogs on the internet and highlight some of the best stories. Well, best stories according to us. So we're trying to make it a one-stop shop for all of your European travel uh, information.
1: Yeah, it's really good. So you should definitely check it out. It's toptravelcontent.com. I think that brings
0: us to the end. Make sure you drop by Indie Travel Podcast as well. Leave a comment on the show and uh, check out the other articles and video that we've got there.
1: And until next week, travel well.